I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Relentless Daring on podbean.com. Welcome to the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is Relentless Daring live on podbean.com and the Podbean app, or possibly on demand on your favorite podcast app. Or streaming directly from the website at relentlessdaring.com. Relentlessdaring.com, bringing you the finest Relentless Daring-oriented content on the interwebs. Uh, Check out this show here. You can check out the Whiskey Pod. If you feel so inclined to donate to the show, because let's face it, this is an independent podcast production. It is produced by me. It is edited. It is completely post-production, uploaded, and all that by yours truly. So, let's face it, there's bills. I mean, there's web hosting, there's podcast hosting, and all this stuff. And all that, it's got to be paid for somehow. If you feel like you want to contribute to the show, at the top of the page at RelentlessDaring.com, you will see the little donate button. You can click that. You set up a one-time donation through PayPal. You can set up a recurring donation through PayPal. Either or, again, all of this goes into paying the overhead, updating equipment, yada, 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 blah, 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 inside baseball type stuff. But again, RelentlessDaring.com, check out this show. You can check out my side hustle, which is really weird saying that considering that this podcast is a side hustle. But anywho's, you can go there, check it out, and totally, totally awesome. You can list everything there, or like I said, check out. Or you can go to the uh, donate button. You can go to the merch shop, and you can you know, buy merch and let people know, hey, I really like this relentless daring show. It's awesome. Again, thank you so very much for listening. Today is Juneteenth. Many people in America still do not know what Juneteenth is. I did not know what Juneteenth was until a few years ago. And as of Thursday, June 19th became a federal holiday. And and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Um, for those of you who do not know the full story of Juneteenth or you're still trying to figure out what the heck this all is, you got to keep in mind, deep in the heart of Texas, when Abraham Lincoln issued 
the Emancipation Proclamation, and it went into effect on January 1st, 1863. There are a lot of people in the South who, um, they didn't, they didn't relinquish their slaves. Most places did not, did not relinquish their slaves until April of 1865 at the, you know, actual ending of the war. Well, like I said, it, you know, there's a lot of Union troops that pushed into the South to, you know, maintain order through martial law. However, there weren't enough to be able to affect it in Texas. So on June 19th, 1865, a full two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation went into effect, almost two and a half months after the end of the Civil War, a U.S. general arrived in Galveston, Texas with a full regiment of troops, and he issued the general order saying, all you, all you who are enslaved, you're free. And like I said, as far as American history goes, we need to do a lot more teaching the, the ultimate triumphs in American history. Ending slavery, not just, you know, four score and seven years ago, you know, the Gaysburg Address, not just the Emancipation Proclamation, not just the end of the Civil War, not just the, you know, Brown versus the Board of Education, we need to actually teach days like this. And we also need to teach the, the horrible, horrible tragedies. There's a lot of people who say, oh, well, uh, the right's just whitewashing us. That's the reason why, you, you know, the, we never heard about the, about the Tulsa race massacre, blah, blah, blah. Well, wait, hold on. Who perpetrated the Tulsa race riots? Hmm. Possibly Democrats. Early progressives in the 1920s. And perhaps they wanted to bury it. That way it would cover up their own shameful history. But, again... Learning history is a good thing. Uh, one of the stories I'm going to hit on tonight and I'm going to lead off with is that, you know, during the last year, or actually in the last month of Donald Trump's presidency, he vetoed a defense authorization bill that included provisions to change the name of military installations that are named after uh, Confederate leaders and Confederate j- soldiers. Okay, I suppose. You know, gosh, there's a lot of them. Fort Bragg, Fort Lee, Fort Jackson, uh, Fort Hood, Texas, where I spent a good portion of my mili- active duty military career. Well, Fort Hood is named after a Confederate general. A Confederate general who, prior to the Civil War, was an officer in good standing with the United States Army. 
but he bought into the Confederate bullcrap, and he decided that, you know, either A, yes, I want to foment this institution of slavery, and I hereby agree with every last little bit of the Confederate Constitution, or maybe he was, you know, one of these idealists. The, the, the union is moving against states' rights. We have to protect it. I don't know, but every Confederate general had to sign an allegiance to the Confederate Constitution, meaning you know, hopefully they knew what the hell was in it. So changing the name of Fort Hood, frankly, it, it, it doesn't bother me. I mean, no one is going around Fort Hood at orientation for new soldiers giving a history lesson. And this is General Hood. He was a Tennessee soldier who moved to Texas way back in the 1800s and liked it so much that when Texas was part of the Part of the Confederacy, he resigned from the United States Army and took up a commission with the Confederacy and all hailed General Hood. This isn't happening. Believe me, orientation at Fort Hood was bad enough. You start adding post-history to it. Oh, I, I hope they did the suicide prevention and awareness training prior to that class because there will probably be some soldiers hanging themselves in the barracks. Oh, damn, I can't say that. Fort Hood's been having a problem with suicides. Who knows? Maybe they've been teaching, you know, more of this uh, history of General Hood. I don't know. I'm not there. I haven't been there in four years. However, um, there is a Hispanic advocacy group that has gotten involved with the, uh, the push to change the name. Well, there's a commission that's looking at everything, and they recently did a tour on Fort Hood. Uh, this is from the uh, Colleen Daily Herald. Colleen is the you know city outside of Fort Hood. Let's see. A, a commission to rename military installations named after Confederate soldiers was at Fort Hood on Wednesday to gather information what, on what the parameters would be when making recommendations for what the new names will be. However, the meetings were closed to the public and media outlets, Army officials said. They're still scared about the COVID. An Army spokeswoman said the commission met with 3rd Corps and Fort Hood Commander Lieutenant General Pat White about the renaming process and to identify what, if any other names, on Fort Hood could change. Because on the most recent uh, defense authorization bill that got passed, like I said, Donald Trump vetoed it. And then it was passed in the House and the Senate and overrode the veto. And part of that is that, uh, is this building named after a Confederate general? Yeah, I got to change the name. Oh, this build, this road is named after a Confederate private who jumped in front of a bullet and saved Stonewall Jackson? Yeah, I got to rename it. It's dumb crap like that. It's getting into the minutia. 
And I wonder how many of these names are going to be changed just because it's perceived that it's named after a Confederate so-and-so. Just saying. Uh, Wednesday series meetings include one of which community leaders were invited, including Colleen Mayor Jose Segura. He said he was relieved that community leaders were invited. Quote, that eliminates that concern I had. My concern was that they were not going to engage with the community like it was going to come from the top and they were going to make a decision. End quote. Which is probably what's going to happen anyways. I just want to make sure that we as a community have some input on that. As long as it's something that we were able as a community to be part of, that's all we're asking for. Renaming will not only include the names of Army forts named after Confederates, but buildings, streets, anything else such as training areas named after Confederate soldiers or the Confederacy. Only individual grave markers are to be left alone. But it goes on talking about you know, all this at Fort Hood, but then it gets into the League of United Latin American Citizens, a Hispanic civil, civil rights group. LULAC. Isn't that just a wonderful name? LULAC. Lulak was invited to the meeting as part of a group of civic leaders who also included area mayors, area county judges, official, officials from area chambers of commerce, and other community organizations. Uh, one of the name or two of the names that they have suggested for you know renaming Fort Hood to is Master Sergeant Roy Benavidez and General Richard Cavazos, both from Texas. Um, Sergeant Benavidez was awarded the Medal of Honor for his heroic actions in Vietnam by President Ronald Reagan. Um, I'm going to get into his story in just a minute. Uh, General Cavazos, the first Hispanic four-star general in America's history, former Third Corps and Fort Hood commander, which that will probably lead to the post being named Fort Cavazos, honestly. He received two Distinguished Service Crosses, one for actions in Korean War, one for actions in Vietnam. Um, but really, the idea of Master Sergeant Benavides and changing the name to Fort Benavides, this man is Jesus in a Green Beret. He is the Lazarus Soldier. He earned his Medal of Honor by literally dying in combat after being peppered with how much shrapnel they still really don't know from grenades. Been shot multiple times going in into a battle that he literally went into carrying just a knife and he figured he'd just get a weapon off the ground when he got there. Like I say, he's a total badass. He was dead, D-E-D, dead. The medic proclaimed him as much. And they were getting ready to put him into a body bag when he decided, no, I'm not dead. And he totally chucked Norris and spit a mouthful of blood into the medic's face. And the medic said, oh my God, he's still alive. I would have zero issues with changing that name from Fort Hood to Fort Benavides. 
I, I know some people who are still upset about that. It's like, well, well, General Hud was an American citizen. Yeah, he was also kind of a traitor. He kind of turned down his commission to fight for the other side. I mean, we don't have any military installations named Fort Benedict Arnold, do we? I mean, even the one... Even the one uh, statue that honors Benedict Arnold uh, they don't even have his name on it. It's just a boot. And that boot the reason they have a boot representing Benedict Arnold is because uh, at that battle, uh, Battle of Saratoga, Benedict Arnold lost pretty much lost the use of one of one leg when his horse reared and fell back on him, and so out of spite, when they built that statue. They hung a left boot on it. Lady Di seems to be uh, of differing opinion on changing the names, which unfortunately, they're still going to have people for the next however many years referring to these installations by the old names. Whether it's Fort Bragg, whether it's Fort Lee, Whatever they're still going to refer to it as, you know, what it was when they were stationed there. I didn't go to basic training at Fort Jones, but Georgia. I went to infantry school at Fort Benning. I mean, For all intents and purposes, it's really not going to change anything other than just the name. And again, I, I do bear some some confliction when it comes to it because, yeah, I agree. I agree with uh, Lady Die here in the live chat that yes, it's dumb. These are men who have been dead for years and years and years. The only surviving memories of them they that exist are in the stories handed down in their families. General Hood is still not rolling around and, you know, riding up on horseback trying to lead a charge against the United States Army at Fort Hood. You know, Benning and Bragg and all the likes of them, they're not... The only thing that exists of them, really, aside from uh, any family heirlooms that get passed down, is what's written in the history books. 
And I get it. We we don't really want to honor our enemies. I mean, we don't have a Fort uh, Fort Cornwallis, and he was a rather, you know, impressive foe in the Revolutionary War. We don't have Fort George named after King George. And honestly, a lot of these names of these are mostly in southern states. Here's how they got the names. When some of these temporary camps were named in order not to, you know, go all freaking out the people in the south in the 1930s and the 1940s, you know, where you still have the grandchildren, the children and grandchildren of these great, you know, Confederate leaders who are still alive or still influential in those states, you know, especially in those state Democrat parties. <coughs> cough, cough, <coughs> oh, I got, I got to take whiskey, drink whiskey, get this. <coughs> And these are being approved, again, by, you know, let's see, 1940s. Who would have been the commander-in-chief? Oh, um, oh, yeah, FDR. A guy who was not exactly known for his um, racial inclusivity, especially when it came to Asian people. So, I mean, so these names, you know, when Fort Hood was Camp Hood, it was given that name because, you know, the children and grandchildren of General Hood still lived in Texas and they were still something, you know, to make a big, make a big deal about. So, it's just... I think it's dumb shenanigans. Like I said, you know, if uh, Fort Hood becomes Fort Benavides, hey, I'm all for it. Let let's honor a guy who literally died for his country and loved it so much he came back to life. All righty. So now I've gotten that little little bit of Juneteenth out of the way and the. Uh, Talk about the Fort Hood thing. Here lately, well, it turns out that the Vatican has been get, really getting involved with the American bishops because the American uh, Conference of Bishops said that they should not be giving communion to President Biden. Huh. Could it possibly have anything to do with Biden's stance on abortion? Oh, yes, yes, it does. If you guessed yes, congratulations, you've earned me taking another drink of whiskey. But, the yeah, the Vatican came out and... Ah, uh, the bishop should not refrain from giving him communion because, you know, he's a good Catholic. 
What? No, he's not a good Catholic. I'm sorry if I proclaim to be a Hasidic Jew and I didn't. And every Friday night at sundown, I was out driving my car, you know, munching down a ham sandwich and oh, doing some idol worship. I'm pretty sure I could make the argument that, oh, I'm a good Jew. I'm a Hasidic Jew. Uh, all these days of the week, I just do this on Fridays. It's absolutely ridiculous. And for anyone in the Catholic Church to go, well, you know, Nancy Pelosi and and Joe Biden, they just, they just have these, uh, you know, these differing views on this one thing, but it's fine. Uh, no, that'd be like me as a Baptist saying, yeah, you know, this whole, you know, once you get saved, yeah, baptism is optional. And, and there are those that believe that. But I mean, it's kind of in the name of our uh, denomination. Baptist, we baptize. We're gonna hold you underwater till the, we're gonna hold you under that water till the evil is gone. And it's again, these are things that if you know I was denouncing key tenets of the church, if I was a, uh, if I was at a Pentecostal church, I stood up on the stood up at the front of the church and said, hey, uh, hey, 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 guys, this whole speaking in tongues and laying on of hands and spirits of the gift, this is all just, this is all a bunch of malarkey. Guess what? I would not be invited back to that church. And so I believe that whoever Joe Biden's, you know, priest is when he goes to take communion he has every right as the leader in that church to say, President Biden, I'm sorry, I cannot give you this because you're not in good standing with the church. You are apostate. As I said, Nancy Pelosi, who, when asked about the uh, the Texas heartbeat bill, heartbeat bill that's working its way you know, or the Mississippi heartbeat bill that's currently being looked at by the Supreme Court. Uh, Speaker Pelosi, uh, would you say that uh, yeah, a baby at 15 weeks is still a human being? I drink vodka. And, uh, uh, I, I believe in Roe vs. Wade. Wait, what? I thought you were a very devout Catholic. I thought your favorite word was the word. Yet you're going to push aside decades of 
here is where we stand as the Catholic Church. You know, Pope John Paul II literally said it is murder. But you're going to go against what the most beloved pope in modern American or in modern history, world history, has said. I mean, I guess they've got the communists from South America running it now, and the last guy was, you know, Nazi sympathizer. So I mean, I'm not too awfully shocked. Even Ted Lieu came out today. Congressman Ted Lieu from California. I'm a Catholic, and these are the things that I believe. I believe. I believe that women have the right to, you know, to contraception. I believe in abortion. I believe, I believe, I believe. Let the church go ahead, deny me my communion. See what happens. Okay, Ted, you've you've issued an ultimatum. Do you know what good an ultimatum is if you say, do this and see what happens, or do this or else, but you don't explain what's going to happen? You don't say what the or else option is? It means it's a hollow threat. So, Ted Lou, you can go to your service and you can go up there and take communion, and the priest passes you over. What are you going to do, Ted? Are you are you going to are you going to throw a big crying baby fit? Or, or more likely, Ted, you're probably going to go issue a statement about how this racist Catholic priest refused to give an Asian man communion because he hates the Asians. He hates the AAPIs. Ted Lieu is a, I mean, he, he's a great mouthpiece, but beyond that, he's completely nutless. He's beyond gutless. He has no nuts. He lacks the testicular fortitude to do anything. Not that he has anything. He, he doesn't, the church does not have an obligation to give him communion. That's like going into a, that's like going into a store and, and causing a scene, and then being pissed off that they're saying, hey, um, you're causing a scene, you need to leave. I, uh, uh, you can't throw me out. I have a right to be here. I have a right to give you my money. Yes, you, you have the right to do that. We also have the right to throw you, on, throw you out on your ear because you punched a cashier for no reason. Lady Di is asking, where's Tubin? Um, he's sitting in front of a laptop right now, possibly on a Zoom meeting with porn going on on the other laptop that they can't see. But don't worry, he's got a strong grip on the things that's going on around him. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, and I will be right back. This is Tyler from Relentless Daring. 
and I am launching the brand new RelentlessDaring.com merch shop. Instead of having to go to a third-party vendor, now you can do everything right there at RelentlessDaring.com. If you want to buy merch, go to RelentlessDaring.com slash shop, and there you can get hats, you can get t-shirts, you can get hoodies, you can get coffee cups, you can get stickers. Go there today to show your love for the Relentless Daring Podcast. And as always, stay relentless. Drizzly is the leading home alcohol delivery service available. Imagine being able to sit at home and pull up your smartphone and browse your favorite wine, beer, spirits, and then have it delivered to your home in as little as one hour. Go to drizzly.com or check out the link in the show notes and start shopping today. Not available in all areas? Please drink responsibly. Drizzly.com Tired of the same cardboard flavored doormat textured protein bar? How about drink mix packets for your water bottles that are full of artificial sweeteners? Tired of a whole regimen of pre workout and protein shakes for your trip to the gym? Go to builtbar.com for their selection of great tasting protein bars, built boost energy drink mixes, and built go energy gels. Built Bar offers 18 delicious flavors of protein bars with only 4 to 5 net carbs for you keto dieters, 6 flavors of Built Boost Energy Drink Mix, and 3 flavors of Built Go Energy Gel. Built Bars are made in America using real ingredients like honey and dark chocolate. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code RELENTLESS to save 10% and let them know you heard about them from Relentless Daring. All right, getting back into it. Um, so one of like the dumber stories that I have seen come out this week, and there's been a lot of dumb stories, but this one probably takes the cake. Um, for those of you who have children or are into gaming, you may have heard the game FNAF. F N A F Five Nights at Freddy's. This was a a completely independently produced uh, video game, you know, for computers and phones and tablets and all that came out uh, seven years ago, 2014. And there's been several you know, sequels where they've gotten better, better production value out of it because, you know, they've made a crap ton of money off this silly game. Well, turns out... Just like several years ago when oh, the video game industry, they're not inclusive enough. They don't have enough women. Wait, what? That's right, Gamergate. When Gamergate came out and you know, really showed a lot of dumb as far as creating contrived narratives into, in the video game industry... It really did a number on on video games, which is what led to a lot of ind- a lo- led to a you know boom of independent coders coming out and going, you know, I think I can make a game. Granted, some of them uh, the games were as crap and they didn't do anything. You know, they were you know the iPhone equivalent of ET for Atari. And now there's millions of iPhones buried in a nondescript mass grave in the New Mexico desert. 
right alongside all those ET cartridges. Uh, this is from Patch Notes. Headline, No Republicans Allowed. Um, and again, this is an editorial I'm reading. This is not you know, a straight-up news story. I'm reading the editorialization, and I'm going to editorialize on top of it. It's like a fourth wall breaking a fourth wall break. That's like 16 walls. All right, from Scrivenot over at Patch, Patch Notes, despite my best hopes for the situation only a few days ago, I was disappointed to learn today that Scott Cawthon, creator of the cult classic series of indie video games, Five Nights at Freddy's, has called it quits. Honestly, his decision is for the best, at least for him, but the fact is a little to quell my anger at the growing onslaught of political extremists running rampant in the video game industry. For those not up to speed over the weekend, a website called Mia repeatedly published stories about the public fact that Cawthon has donated to various Republican candidates over the years, including Ditch Mitch McConnell, Ben Carson, and He Who Shall Not Be Named. Self-proclaimed Antifa nobodies also freaked out on Twitter, drawing attention to the issue. As reports show, Cawthon has also donated to Tulsi Gabbard, a Democrat. But that matters little when you're the target of irate leftists rotting this industry from the inside out. After enough Mia articles were published and tweets sent to gain mainstream attention, gaming sites began running pieces parroting the same non-news as some going so far as attempting to assassinate Cawthon's character. Kotaku, for, exi- for instance, criticized Cawthon for saying he, saying he loves his Q+. I refuse to type out the alphabet soup that is LGBTQQIA2 plus ad infinitum. Fans, while donating to Canada to disenfranchise that community. Kotaku even implied Cawthon himself as homophobic and transphobic due to guilt by association, which is no small claim, especially in today's society. If you say, no, I'm not in the trans people. I would not date a trans person pre-bottom surgery, post-bottom surgery. No. You are a horrible transphobic person, and you deserve to rot in hell. But, anywho, back to the story. Uh, Nothing excuses the irreparable harm he's done to the people he purports to love wrote the brilliant Ash Parrish, whose worldview is not at all completely wrapped up in nothing but skin-deep identity politics. In addition to the articles being written with a clear agenda that proclaimed there is no room in the gaming industry for someone with such completely unremarkable run-of-the-mill political views, Cawthon received targeted harassment and even death threats to the point where Cawthorn's pregnant... I say Cawthorn... I've been reading a lot about Madison Cawthorn lately, so I apologize. Cawthon received targeted harassment, even death threats, to the point where Cawthon's pregnant wife became frightened. All of that, of course, is morally acceptable compared to voting red, right? Now, I'm happy to say Cawthon's response to all this nonsense was about as based as they come. Quote, 
I'd like to think that the last seven years would have given me the benefit of doubt in regards to how I treat people. But there I was trending on Twitter for being a homophobe, getting doxxed with people threatening to come to my house. My wife is six weeks pregnant, and she spent the last night in fear because of what was being said online. She has already been struggling with her pregnancy, so seeing her so afraid really scared me. All this because I exercised my right and my duty as an American citizen to vote for and support the candidates who I felt best could run the country for everyone, and that's something I won't apologize for. Uh, Later, he, in his statement, For those of you who took the time to look, you saw that the candidates I supported included men, women, white people, black people, Republicans, and Democrats. Even if there were candidates who had the had better things to say to the LGBT community directly and bigger promises to make, I believe that their stances on other issues would have ended up doing much greater harm to those communities than good. End quote. And it's a hard stance to argue with. Even if you don't agree with Cawthon's political choices, it's plain to see he was merely choosing who he thought would be the best overall to run the country, as is his right as an American. You see, millions of Americans go to the voting booth each year, despising the candidates they're forced to choose from. But they choose anyway because they believe one is better suited than the other. It's hard to believe that Cawthon can agree with Trump's economic policies but oppose his social views, but still vote for him. Personally, believing one issue is of greater importance to the country, is is that really so far-fetched? Is, is it that hard of a concept to grasp that voters are not endorsing everything a candidate has said or done when voting for, for or even donating to them? And it, the editorial goes on. Um, what does it, just a few years ago, uh, was it last year, year before last, Facebook completely blacklisted the kid who invented the Oculus because... He donated $10,000 to a billboard campaign. It put up one billboard. Oh my God, he's so horrible. Imagine getting blacklisted for the company that's essentially bought your product and put you in charge of it for the company and just turn around like, ah, yeah, we know you. Donate this money to this organization. Yeah, we're going to have to yeah, have you come in on Saturday and um, I think on Sunday too. Yeah. Then they just come around and... No. Um, yeah, we're not going to invite you to things anymore and this is not good because... How dare you support that guy? How dare you support Donald Trump in any way, shape, form, or fashion? Which is basically what it came down to with the kid who invented Oculus. This is basically what's coming down to with uh, the creator of Five Nights at Freddy's, this Cawthon guy. He, he didn't commit an actual crime. He committed a thought crime. He was guilty of saying, you know what? Yeah, this is totally a, a, a best of two evils choice here because everyone is crap. So I'm going to take the one that's going to do 
you know, has the higher possibility of doing good. And speaking of doing good, I have a story from Just the News. That's John Solomon's outlet. There's an update in here somewhere. Seven pages, seven pages printed off, so. Georgia investigators' notes reveal massive election integrity problems in Atlanta. Huh. Color me shocked. And possibly even amazed. In a nationally televised interview in January, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger rattled off an impressive list of measures his state used to ensure the November election count was accurate. Quote, We had safe, secure, honest elections. End quote. He declared to 60 Minutes. That rosy assessment, however, masked an ugly truth inside his agency's own files. A contractor handpicked to monitor election counting in Fulton County wrote a 29-page memo back in November outlining the massive election integrity failures and mismanagement that he witnessed in the Atlanta area's election centers. Huh. So wait, this guy was on the ground, and he saw what was going on, but no one took him seriously? Weird. The bombshell report, constructed like a minute-by-minute diary, cited a litany of high-risk problems such as the double counting of votes, insecure storage of ballots, possible violations of voter privacy, the mysterious removal of election materials at a vote collection warehouse, and the suspicious movement of too many ballots on election day. Quote, This seems like a massive chain of custody problem. Contractor Carter Jones warned in the memo delivered by his firm, Seven Hill Strategies, to Raffensperger's office shortly after the election. That glaring notation was written around 4 p.m. on Election Day, when Jones observed absentee ballots arriving at the county's Central Absentee Scanning Center at, at Atlanta State Farm Arena, quote, in rolling bins, 2,000 at a time. Is my understanding that the ballots are supposed to be moved in numbered sealed boxes to protect them? Yeah, Lady Di is calling this old news, and it is old news because you know how many people saw the Atlanta area, the Atlanta County Center security camera of them pulling boxes of ballots out from under the table. But if you said that on social media, if you shared it, you got nailed. You got nailed immediately with a fact check. <sighs> that was proven that blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, okay, then how come the guy who was in charge of us saying this kind of stuff is a bunch of bull crap? I mean, is he fake news? Does he not know what he's doing? Was he just some schlub who came out the street? Yeah, I could do this for a cup of coffee, yeah. A ham sandwich, yeah. Y'all count votes, Uh, do it, I'm I'm good. No. The guy is from, I'm presuming to be a reputable firm. And he seems to be making a lot of sense. 
Uh, he also feared the flow of absentee ballots seemed too voluminous. Quote, too many ballots coming in for secure black ballot boxes, he observed. Jones also raised concerns about temporary workers brought in by a firm called Happy Faces to scan and count ballots after an election observer purported to witness a conversation in an elevator in which one of the workers revealed his intention to F crap up. Of course, he did not say just the letter F, nor did he say crap. I will let you fill in the blanks. You are a smart crowd. Jones wrote, I must keep an eye on these two. Perhaps this is a bad joke, but it's very poorly timed in the presence of a poll watcher. He wrote the two suspect workers had been assigned to team confirming and boxing ballots that have already been scanned to prepare them for later audit. Because... This is the place where they could do the least to achieve their declared objective. So, okay, so now we have it confirmed from someone who was there. It was his job to watch this that, oh, they're bringing in ballots from under the tables that aren't in the proper boxes. Huh. Weird. You have him admitting that he had to reassign or just assign some of these volunteers or some of these temp workers to places where they couldn't have an effect on the counting of the ballots because, yeah, they make us nervous because they have very bad judgment. Add into it... um, Approximately 25% of these absentee ballots had total chain of custody issues. And in a good and holy world where, you know, people actually try to do the right thing, they'd go, hey, um... Hey, there's a signature on this. It shouldn't be there. It's in the wrong place. Or there's no signature at all. There are rules for how you ensure the, uh, you know, the seal isn't broken on that envelope. Was not followed. So now you have a bunch of ballots, which... There's a lot of people who believe Trump won. If throwing out the ballots that they know for a fact had a chain of custody issue, if that totals about 25% of those ballots tossed out and they split the same way the rest of the other ballots did, I think it was like a 70-30 split, it's Donald Trump still ends up losing Georgia by 11,000 votes. It's just with COVID and all this, there's so many things that, oh, yeah, we need to get on this because uh, people have to be able to vote. It's an election year and it's a pandemic, and we want people to cast their ballots any way, shape, or form. If they can think their ballots to us, we'll just fill it out on this end. It's ridiculous. And now they're trying to take some of these uh, rather onerous 
some of these rather onerous uh, methods of casting ballots and make them permanent. Permanent mail-in ballots. Well, we, we mail Social Security checks. We mail VA checks. We mail your tax returns. We mail all this stuff. So why can't why shouldn't we be able to mail our ballots? Okay. Why do I have to, if I buy a gun online, why do I have to have it sent to an FFL dealer? Well, see, blah, 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 excuses, blah, blah, blah. It's nuts. We can trust all these things get mailed. Put $500 in an envelope. See how quick that gets lost en route. Ask anyone who's ever been expecting an important package just to, you know, check the tracking number online and find that your important package that you needed yesterday is now going to be here in like three days because the post office sent it to the wrong damn Lebanon. Your stuff went to Lebanon, Tennessee and not, you know, Lebanon, wherever else in the country. These are the these are the kind of things where people don't have trust in their government and the government wonders why. It's because the people are used to seeing the government shoot itself in the foot on a constant basis. Whether it's on the elections, whether it is on the COVID nineteen hysteria, whether it's on the on the vax prop they keep pushing at us. You know, Joe Biden going out telling minorities on on Juneteenth that you need to go get a vaccination. It's stupid. That's the best I can say, is it stupid? The reason it's the best I can say is because it's a PG-13 show. Yeah, yeah, keep some of those, uh, some of those more grown-up words uh, locked away. I hate to... Hate to offend somebody. I know last week I got kind of carried away, and I apologize. It's just, if you give the government an opportunity to either succeed or let you down, nine times out of ten they're going to let you down. This has just become an unfortunate fact of life. Too much grift, too much greed, too much graft. I mean, if you wanted to go to Washington, D.C. to speak to your congressman or your senator, my goodness, the hoops you have to go through just to do that. Whereas back in the day when Al Farber and Bob got elected to the Senate, yeah, he's only going to be gone for a couple months a year. They'll be back to plant and harvest. There was a time where you literally knew your congressman, your senator. And we've gotten so far from that that I don't know if we will ever recover. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. Again, those of you who join me in the uh, live chat, thank you so very much. I appreciate it. Again, this is all totally awesome. And, you know, start a show... I said, you know, what you can do at relentlessdaring.com to, you know, help support this show financially, help keep those bills paid. 
it's just I want to thank you all so much for listening. Um, whenever you, uh, whenever you decide that, you know what? I like this show. I want to keep listening to it. I, I ask that you do four things. Number one, hit that subscribe button or follow or follow because now subscribe has come to mean paid for content. I don't have paid for content. However, if you are a donor to the show, it, whenever I get the opportunity to do an interview with somebody, as soon as I have it edited and I have it uploaded and scheduled for publish, and I have that private link to the show, if you're a donor, I will send you the private link to an, to interview episodes. You know, so you'll have them maybe a day or too early compared to everyone else. So again, those of you who subscribe, you look for that paid content. Don't have much, but I give it to you when I can. Then number two, rate it five stars, please. Please five stars. I'll take four. I can live with three, but I prefer five. Third of all, I want you to write a review. It doesn't have to be crazy. Oh my God, this is over-the-top review, just, you know, a nice, maybe embellish a little. Don't get carried away again. Don't get carried away. And then, finally, the fourth thing, please share the show. Share this episode. Send it to someone who you think, hey, I listened to this show. This guy says some things I think you'll like. Check it out. Or you have that liberal friend who wants the government to control everything. Feel free to send my show to them as well because I don't have a problem with uh, hate and discontent when it comes to, you know, political stuff. It's kind of in my nature. Again, thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay relentless. This is Relentless Daring on podbean.com.